0: Welcome back to the Strategies for Youth podcast series. I'm David Walker and I'm the Training and Operations Director for SFY. In this episode, I've asked our Executive Director to have a conversation with a group of people who have engaged with youth in their communities using a game-based educational tool called Juvenile Justice Jeopardy. All too often, young people think they know the law and their rights, and unfortunately, this can lead to disagreement and conflict during interactions with police and other law enforcement personnel. The Juvenile Justice Jeopardy game strives to teach youth how to navigate interaction with police and their peers. It provides them with an understanding of the legal consequences of their actions, and it offers simple strategies for resisting peer pressure to engage in risky behavior. The game also teaches youth both the short and long-term legal consequences of their actions and of having arrest and court records. In this episode, you'll be hearing from Lisa Thoreau, the Executive Director for Strategies for Youth, Laura Jenny, who introduced the game to her high school several years ago, Sergeant Larry Adkins from the Indianapolis, Indiana Police Department, Sergeant Sanford Swanson from the West Lafayette, Indiana Police Department, and Naomi McSwain, Executive Director at the Al Wooten Jr. Youth Center in Los Angeles. As usual, I do want to give you our standard disclosure. The information that Strategies for Youth shares in its trainings and in these podcasts is not intended to replace or supersede the training you've received from your agency and academy training. The information provided is not intended to tell you how to do your job. It is intended to help you do your job better and to increase your safety. So let's get started.
1: And we're right now trying to find ways to support youth groups, youth um, concerned adults who see how anxious young people are about police youth interaction and also how uneducated they are about some of the legal consequences of behavior. We want to make sure that uh, they understand the the value of this Jeopardy game, as well as what it can accomplish, the conversations it can open, and uh, what you think um, makes it helpful. Um, and, and Laura, I'm hoping we can start with you. What need do you think it filled that um, you are? able to use it to fill.
2: Yeah, I'm happy to do that, Lisa. Um, so I, uh, six or seven years ago, I was a junior or sophomore in high school. And that was the same year that um, Trayvon Martin was um, shot and killed in, in Florida. And it was also around the same time when it was not too long before the Tamir Rice case, before a lot of um, the other cases of um, children being um, shot by either police or in Trayvon Martin's case, a citizen. And so that kind of was a wake up call for me and for many of my friends, because we all realized that this problem was not so far from our own reality. And especially, I was especially thinking about, you know, c- could this happen to my younger brother? Could this happen to my friends? And, and there wasn't really a good relationship between police officers and youth in my community, many of my friends had been system involved or were just in, or just didn't know, had no interactions with officers other than seeing them patrolling. Um, And so it was very much uh, an attitude and atmosphere where um, myself included and other youth in my high school, we all had this like huge fear of the police and fear of, and just like fear of the unknown right um so that's when we reached out to strategies for youth because um, i was doing some searching as to what kinds of resources existed to kind of bridge the gap between youth and police stumbled upon strategies for youth's website and contacted you lisa and that's when i asked what can i do in my community what um, tips do you have and um, when we found the jeopardy game with you guys that was when i read up more on it and i saw um, how much knowledge it was providing and how um most of the content of the games were things that i myself didn't know and that my younger brother didn't know and my friends didn't know so um that was really why i decided to i really asked you guys to come out here and play it in my hometown at my local boys and girls club and the the local high schools and stuff because it was an area where i realized there is we were all like pretty much um, unknowledgeable about this stuff. There's a lot of fear about all of the things we didn't know and the game kind of provided a way for us to learn more and also have kind of a safe dialogue about this so that it was more approachable. And when we did end up playing the game, we also were able to bring in some school resource officers and the chief of police in our town who were nice enough to volunteer their time outside of the um, outside of their jobs to come and play the game with us. And so that was a really nice opportunity for us to also just have an interaction with officers that wasn't necessarily um, that was in a kind of uh, more relaxed atmosphere and an atmosphere where we were learning. They were learning about the kinds of um, perceptions we had. And there's kind of a good open dialogue there every time we played the game. So,
1: Wonderful, Laura. Thank you. How about you, Sergeant Adkins?
3: The question was earlier about uh, that we choose juvenile justice jeopardy. Our department, um, at the time, it was um, Commander Waters, Jim Waters. He's since passed away, unfortunately. But he was the um, the brain behind bringing juvenile justice jeopardy to Indianapolis. Um, he um, did a pilot program and brought it here, and then we signed off on it. And then I later found out that. Um, that you know, it had a lot more to it than just a game. It was more of an experience. It was more of an interactive experience, which is a, what a lot of programs lack. Um, a lot of kids come in and get lectured to. However, juvenile justice and Jeopardy allow allow you to be able to get immersed and get and, and have fun and as as well as learn, and really get serious at times, um, depending on what the individual audience of juveniles is sometimes some of those kids have been involved in some very difficult situations And when certain questions come up, they are very adamant about giving the right giving the answer because they said they live that Experience they said I know this one and so it it, 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 it has really done a great deal of um, Connecting with kids because we ever to get into school. They, they come in there first and they look at us Maybe like these are the police, but once they get going they get involved. I'm talking about some of the hardest young men and women. They they eventually soften up, and because they want to, they don't want to be left out. So the program has really done well. Um, the goal this year, prior to um, the restrictions, was we were we were going to go out to a lot of community meetings. We, we've done a lot of churches, a lot of. Church groups, um, I've had opportunity to meet with a lot of pastors and talk to them about coming in and speaking to their young people about um, about the game and about their rights and responsibilities, especially now with all the stuff going on with social justice movements. Hey, but they don't, they're not necessarily informed about how things work. And I think what I always tell people, when you know how things work, then you can make better choices and better decisions.
1: That's awesome. Thank you. Um, Sergeant Sanford? Uh, so my
4: experience with the uh, program started out, honestly, I, I'd, I'd heard of Juvenile Justice Jeopardy before, but hadn't been exposed to it. And then I went through Police and the Team Brain in 2016, and I met with the Director for Youth Services here in Tippecanoe County, Rebecca, and we agreed to meet and sit down because I wanted to get more involved and get more engaged. And then kind of get, just got thrown into Juvenile Justice Jeopardy kind of right away, I really took to it immediately. It was a great program. I saw a lot of value in it, and I echo a lot of what Sergeant Atkins says. The police are seen often, but they aren't engaged as often as they can or should be. And a lot of the information during these courses we hear from the, the participants, their ideas about police or policing come from not necessarily always their experiences, but even sometimes from people around them who give them Uh, Misinformation. There are a lot of assumptions that I find that come out of these classes, and it's a great opportunity to get in front of people who have questions or have bad information and try to correct that information. And I've been saying for a while, we need to do a better job of getting in front of people outside of enforcement activities. So this is an opportunity for us to sit down and be personable. When I do these classes, I almost never wear a uniform, I wear street clothes. Um, I'm obviously identified as Uh, as an officer, but I don't want to come in with that authoritative look or feel. I want to come in as a person because at the end of the day, that's what I am. I wear, I wear plain clothes. I, I uh, shop at the same grocery stores. My kids go to school with your kids or with you for that matter. Um, And so a lot of times I walk in and go, Hey, I recognize you. And so even for them, it's a nice feel outside of, uh, you know, being in trouble. It's it's an environment where they can, they can have face-to-face contact with an officer that's not punitive.
1: I'm wondering if um, all of you, um, let's start with you, Laura, learned something in the game that really astonished you, both as a student and as police officer, something you didn't know before. And then I'm wondering if you could also tell me something that you see young people are very surprised about learning.
2: There, that's a hard question because there's a lot of um, content. Most of the content in the game was new to me and new to most of my friends when we played it. I think what most stood out for me was the information about asking for an adult, asking for, um, asking for your Miranda rights, asking um, and also learning about when you have a record, kind of how... Does that carry forward in your life and in, and in what ways does that affect kind of the things you're doing and how you're applying and the ways that potentially, um, I have the conception that once you get arrested, uh, no matter what age you are, it always stays with you, but that's not necessarily the case. What was really salient is the, um, was when we had these conversations during the game with officers about kind of the perceptions that we had of ourselves, the perceptions we had of the officers and the officer's perception of us during these types of interactions. So thinking about body language, just, other sorts of things that happen when you're approached by an officer and you kind of get nervous because you don't know what's going on, Um, just like tensing up, all these kinds of things that are just, I would say, pretty normal reactions for most people, but you don't really think twice about how they're perceived by others. Um, And so that was a really um, important aspect of the game is having these conversations with the officers about kind of both sides uh, and like what we're doing and what we're seeing and how we're all responding.
1: Thank you very much, Laura. Uh, Sergeant Atkins or Sergeant Swanson. could you join in? What was something that surprised you when you played the game and what uh, seems to surprise kids the most when you play the game?
3: I would say from my experience, we don't always get a chance to do the um, other part of the, of the game that, but when we do, that's the part where we actually um, switch roles and um, do role playing. I think that's the most, um, for me, working with young people, when they get to be the beat police and then we start acting like we perceive how they act with us. And it's amazing that um, how they get a chance to, you know, as they say, uh, put the shoe on the other foot. And um, I think those, those are valuable when we play those role play or we ask the questions, like we'll set the chairs up like cars and then we'll, we'll put them in a nice, we, we'll put them in a nice Lamborghini or whatever. We'll just say something, what car do you want to ride? And then we'll say, well, what you, what you rolling on? I'm rolling on 20, 26s. Are you, what kind of music you got? So they, you know, they get to tell us about some of the things that they like. And then we, you know, we, and we'll have a traffic stop. And then we'll do a traffic stop. And then we say, okay, we're going to get in the car. And then now um, you be us. And so then it, it's just th- those parts, I think, really get, allow us to get up and close and personal. And then um, the interaction in terms of what the kids say and what they do I see a great advantage when we um have the game because it brings in the um the, the aspects of intervention and prevention because some of those kids are in situations where they are they they haven't made any haven't gotten into trouble yet. They're not in the juvenile system. So we're trying to help them from getting out of that that situation. But there are kids that we sometimes interact with, they already in the system. So we're trying to help prevent them from continuing to go down a road. That's leading them to um, what they we consult, what, what's been known as the prison pipeline, and just really try to get them educated so they can make good choices. We always hear all the people that work with us here in Indianapolis. We always stress um, consequences, decisions, and, and consequences and outcomes. You know, how could you have made a better choice?
1: How about uh, Sergeant Swanson?
4: We it's interesting to interact with the children in that in that context because most of them, unfortunately, only get to see what they see, um, don't necessarily have that experience or if they do have the experience of law enforcement, it is oftentimes a negative experience or it's, it's it's again, it's a punitive contact. And so being able to get in there and see that, you know, I try to add as much humor as I can to it and keep it lighthearted while also being educational and professional. Um, and I, I think to get a lot of appreciation out of that because Uh, too often you know we'll have officers who are just kind of robotic and like you know this 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 is how it is but being able to just have a relaxed disposition and engage the youth I've found great value in that and it's great to see when they have you have some students who are stuck I wouldn't say stuck in their ways but they have their minds made up about the way thing it the way things are and sometimes you're able to give them a, a different perspective and maybe sway their perspective, perspective a little bit. And in other cases, um, they're, you know, they're hardline stance. They don't want to come off their, their stance, their perspective. And but we're, either way, we're able to engage and um, create some dialogue and some rapport there. And there's been times where I've re-encountered them out uh, in the public and I've garnered some immediate respect for them based on how they were treated and how our interactions went inside of the class. And so um, there's some equity there in the, in the courses, regardless of uh, what those interactions ended up being, being able to have a lot of carryover back into the community. Uh, and it's just, it's just a great opportunity. In fact, my time at JJJ actually culminated in us creating a mentorship here where I come in every two weeks and would sit down for an hour, hour and a half with a group of young men and just do mentorship. We would just talk about life. Uh, we would just, I just, I'll be, be real with them and share some of my experiences, um, some things that aren't, that I typically don't put out for public purview, but just be vulnerable with them and share some of my experiences. In those sessions, I've had phone calls with people that I know who had checkered pass and have been able to be quite successful, and uh, it seems to have a, a pretty significant impact.
1: Is there, um, S- Sergeant Swanson and Sergeant Atkins, just one um Last reframing of my question is: Is there a particular question in the game that really surprises kids?
3: The question that that always gets kids' attention is the one that um, I can't remember the actual names, but might be Jenny is thirteen, has sex with such and such, and then no, no, text is a picture of herself, and she gives it to such and such. He puts it as wallpaper. And then uh, the mother gets upset, what could happen? And um, they, they really, depending on the younger the age it is, like in the, if you're dealing with maybe like the younger 12 on up, middle school, they kind of get a little giggly. But the high school, uh, they take it a little bit more serious because by that time, a lot of those young ladies and young men have already been involved in those type of actions. And so we try to stress how important it is to not do that and how it can affect you. And I think the question really goes to how parents get involved after the fact, but they don't realize in the state of Indiana, you're responsible if you send it in the first place, regardless of if someone shares it, they're part of it too, but you as the person who sends the picture falls under child exploitation as well. Great, how about you Sergeant
1: Swanson?
4: Another question that we get a lot of uh, dissension from is, when we talk about crimes of accomplice where Tommy's the lookout and the friends are stealing, but Tommy gets charged with the crime just as well. And they don't think, they don't think that's fair and they don't understand how um, you are the company you keep and you can become complicit in other people's crimes um, depending on your involvement. And so those, those two questions usually uh, garners um, a fair amount of reaction from just about every group.
1: That's wonderful. I, I uh, we specifically put in those accomplice liability and joint venture questions because young people hang out in groups and they don't understand that your friends can be your destiny in the way the law works. And we wanted to make sure they understood that really well. The, the question that um, upsets a lot of young people and they always get wrong is whether or not a male police officer may pat frisk a female And we routinely hear everybody, boys, girls, parents, saying, no, that's against the law, that's sexual harassment. And uh, that leads to very interesting conversations and a lot of, oh, my God. I'd like to switch now and introduce you to Naomi McSwain of the Wooten Center.
5: Yeah, we've been playing Jeopardy, I think, for about five years. And um, we initially uh, were invited to do some sessions with LAPD, the police and uh, and our kids. Uh, This is before we adopted it. We were part of um, interacting with police to show them how the game can be useful and in the course of doing that I said we need this at the center, you know. So I talked to Lisa and I talked to some other people that invited me to the meeting and Lisa came out and did some train the trainer and she did some sessions uh, with our kids and it's, it's just a very memorable part of our history right now uh, because, uh, you know, at that time, uh, you know, there was just a number of what prompted us was the Michael Brown uh, incident uh, to really get involved because we wanted a way to have some discussion with the kids, you know, about what was happening. And we also didn't want them to do anything that would get them, you know, that would threaten their life, you know, out there being uh, belligerent with the police. And so uh, we were looking for a solution. So I said, this looks perfect. You know, it's, it's in a game format, uh, it's very informative. So anyway, so we, we, Lisa came to the center and did it with the kids and they absolutely loved it. And we asked them if they wanted to have it there and they said yes. So we ended up, um, and ever since then, we've actually been playing it monthly, except during the summer. And so uh, one of our board members, uh, Robert Clark, who's a retired, um, FBI agent uh, has been our main facilitator. And uh, joining him is another uh, uh, young man, uh, Rick, who has his own nonprofit agency working with high schools. Um, and so he's also um, a facilitator. And so um, I actually asked one of our kids yesterday, uh, who's actually been playing it. Um, he's in the 11th grade now. Uh, so he's been playing it with us for a while. And I, I asked him, I said, I said, I want to tell them you know, from the kid's mouth, you know, how you guys feel about playing the game. And, and I have a text message here from him. And he said, the game teaches us how to navigate interactions with the police, uh, gives us valuable information about the law. He said also helps us interact with our peers, uh, bringing us closer together. So, I mean, it's, it's always a very fun atmosphere. So I know that's what he's referring to. And we also feed them. So... <laughs> And he also said, I would never have known about Miranda warnings, degrees of murder, how laws differ from state to state, and how certain charges for certain crimes, or how there's certain charges for certain crimes if I hadn't played Juvenile Justice Jeopardy. Now, i am tell you, I was very happy about this text to see him spit that out, you know, that way. And, um, and so, you know, I, I just feel um, that it, very likely has saved some lives. Um, we especially uh, like to play it uh, and right before the summer, you know, when we know the kids are gonna be out of school and we and we use it to really emphasize, be careful, you know, when you're out there. Uh, don't be an accomplice. Uh, I heard you guys say that uh, the kids you work with, that's been a big one. That's been a big one with our kids too, you know. I've been in sessions where they were just shocked, you know, to hear, uh, that um, if their friend puts their gun in their locker at school, um, that they could be arrested for it. I, I just remember the uh, all the, oh, my God, no way, it's not my gun, uh-huh. you know. Yes, you can get in trouble, you know. And so now they know that, and, uh, and they know that your friend, you know, can't have, you know, his gun in your car, you know, or if you're in his car and the gun is under the seat and you're the passenger, that you could still be implicated, you know. So it's been very eye-opening uh, for the kids and I'm, I'm quite certain uh, has um, prevented them from getting into some major trouble. So secondly, as far as how we use it, um, so you know we, we knew we had a good thing and we wanted to go beyond just having monthly meetings at the center. So I started offering it to, um, you know, I was involved with the um, LA County uh, Public Health Office of Violence Prevention. Um, and so I presented it to them, and so they had a uh, a youth summit, a youth violence uh, prevention summit one year, and we played the game there and so there was maybe about two hundred people there or so and um, and so we actually allowed the adults to be a part of it and and they loved it uh, thoroughly and as a result of that, I ended up doing another uh, uh, conference, so we've done two conferences with it uh, so far. We had more plans this year that COVID interrupted. We also played it at a middle school. And so uh, uh, right now uh, we are uh, working on new questions because like I said, we've been doing it for five years and uh, some of the kids um, who have been playing it for a while started asking for new questions. I'm
1: pleased to uh, announce that the law firm of Cooley, LLP Cooley, which has offices across the United States is working with the Wooten Center and strategies for youth to create a whole new set of questions. Thanks to a volunteer, we created a a new set of questions that might be interesting called sex and boundaries because uh, that's an area of a lot of confusion for young people. And so that game focuses on um, those topics but we're asked across the country right now to create games that um, illustrate what is and isn't permissible behavior legally in your jurisdiction during a protest. Um, I wanted to ask uh, the adults and Laura here, Laura, you're an adult, but what did you as an adult learn about young people when playing the game or watching it be played?
3: Yes, one thing um, the game and interacting with the young people um they're very influenced by social media i don't really know i haven't really had have any experience where they really listen to like cnn or fox or they they're, they're that um that type of media but the social aspect of it is um definitely and they're definitely on it when it comes to um social justice issues not from necessarily from a knowledge base but from information that they receive which can be very dangerous because they, they just believe whatever they hear. I remember when going into um, juvenile justice, when, um, when Michael Brown got um, killed and they would, kids were, when, when we come in a room, um, they say, hands up, don't shoot. So they're very impressionable. And and some of these, these issues, they definitely need to be um, aware of, but it's not being, I don't think they're being very, they're not critically thinking about it. And what I always challenge the young people to critically think when they say something, I say, how do you know that? You know, so I want them to answer the why, why is that the case? How do you know that? I ask more questions. I don't try to just tell them what I know. I try to get them or I challenge, I challenge their thoughts. And I say, well, well, have you thought about this? So they'll say something, I say, well, what about this? And then eventually, because I know that they're just not mature enough, they will hit, uh, they will come to a standstill. And, I, and I, then I'll explain, you know, what I think that they might want to consider when you think about things. I said, don't just allow everybody, everything you hear to be something that you, you take as fact, take that information, process it, analyze it, and come up with your own opinion about it or get, get facts to support your opinion.
1: Laura, what do you think adults playing the game with young people take away from the experience
2: that's a hard question for me to answer because obviously when I played the game, I was a I wasn't an adult yet, I was a youth. But I would say that I think there th- what they kind of took away was how much we actually did or didn't understand. And in and I think in the case of the kids that are gonna be playing the game now because of social media and because of the prevalence of um, like every kid has a cell phone. Um, They all have access to like, most kids have access to the internet. So they're learning things they're seeing online. And I think for the up and coming um, groups of kids who are going to be playing the game, what um, adults might be taking away is um, kind of a newer sense of like, now kids um, might not necessarily they might understand more than kids when I played it six years ago knew because we didn't have as much access to all this content Um, but there also is a lot of misinformation being spread um, via social media stuff that I'm seeing on my timelines right now seeing on social media and on the news Um, and so I think clarifying that is an important part, an important um, thing that adults were learning is like, this is what kids believe and this is what part of that is true and this is what part of that we need to clarify with them. So, yeah.
3: Kind of what Laura said, when when the adults, they, they actually become, they're less clueless, they're more clueless than the kids. They have a lot of misconception about what's going on, especially when it comes to the age of consent a lot of parents don't don't even know that they think it's 18 and um from my experience um so they actually don't know and then but what i think what it does is they don't most parents in this day and age especially if you work your parent you go to work and even with my own kids you know you see your kids less then they spend more time outside of your presence than they do in your presence so i think it's a what i've seen is it's a wake-up call to let these parents know you got to talk to your kids you gotta spend time with your kids. You gotta let them know they got. You gotta be the source of information first that they compare everything else to, as opposed to them receiving the other information. Now you're secondary, so now they're comparing what they already received to what you're saying, and what they receive in the social media of their friends is what's going to reign supreme.
1: Thank you, uh, Sergeant Atkins. I'm, I'm glad you raised the point about parents because we're fascinated by um, how much parents are unaware of this and could use the information if they want to be able to support their kids uh, with good information. Uh, Sergeant Swanson, um, what do you think adults take away from being game facilitators?
4: Well, we're a little different here in that our facilitators are either law enforcement or they're involved in probation uh, and in that so they're they're in they're agents for the criminal justice system, so they're f- often familiar with a lot of these things already. Um, but I think they get challenges. It's, it's it's interesting to see the perspectives as an adult from the juveniles, because you know Sergeant Atkins commented on it earlier about their critical thinking, and I try to um, I try to encourage people whenever possible to be critical thinkers as opposed to emotional thinkers, and especially our youth, because that's a that's a concept that they're not used to. They're used to. Ba- basing their actions off of their feelings as opposed to the critical information that's in front of them However, we do have a program called back on track where we will spend about eight hours with uh, a child uh, a juvenile and at least one of their parents um, But in that when we have the, at the end of the session we do juvenile justice jeopardy with the, the students and the parents and like has been said, a lot of times the parents, they're answering the questions wrong as well. And so they don't know. And so the information that they're passing along to their children oftentimes is misinformation, um, not because they willfully and wantonly giving poor information, oftentimes just because they just don't have the correct information. And so they they believe what they're paying for is true when, when our reality is not. And so there, there's definitely some learning pieces there for the the parents and the adults in the room as well.
1: Naomi, what do you think uh, adult facilitators or even adult observers get out of uh, watching the game or playing it with youth?
5: I've, I've learned quite a bit. Uh, the one that you mentioned about um, can um, you know can they pat down uh, a minor girl? Um, I was in the room the first time we you know they asked a question and they said um, they said no. I you know reacted the same way the kids did. Oh my god, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know because you know I I was the young girl um in the 70s uh you know I recall being stopped with my boyfriend and I had the drugs in my bra and they couldn't touch me and, and we knew it, you know, it was just understood give it to the girl because they can't do anything, you know, with her. And so that day the police officer explained that uh, that used to be true, um, but they changed it because they don 't have a lot of female officers, and they know that the girl is carrying the drugs you know so um, so yeah it 's it 's been uh, educational experience for us um, it 's also very um i would say very calming for us because you know we worry about our kids you know being out there and interacting with with police, and uh, to know that you 're helping some child that might Uh, potentially save his life Um, you know like I said for us right after Michael Brown you know I feel like it's a it was a challenge and a problem that we had that we no longer have to the degree that we used to because we know that our kids are informed uh, when they're out there on the street
1: can you all answer this one last question as well as make any additional comment? I know we promised only an hour of your time this morning, so I'm trying to be thoughtful of that. But um, can we start with you, Naomi? Um, do you feel that this game is, and, and perhaps new versions of it, is more necessary now than ever as a focus on policing increases?
5: Oh, uh, definitely. Um, I think every child in America should uh, play this game on a regular basis you know you can't digest it in one one sitting you know it's got to be an ongoing um, discussion so so absolutely um, I and and you know me Lisa I offer anything I can do you know to make sure it happens um, especially here in LA to get it beyond our doors so I'm looking forward to help uh, I just joined another collaborative um, that I'm very, very anxious to introduce it to, you know, after we get the, uh, the new game uh, up and going. So, you know, with the, with the new climate, I mean, it's, it's an ongoing thing. You know, with us, we, you know, we're getting ready to enroll. Well, we just enrolled about another 129 students. Um, you know, a lot of them teens that have never played Jeopardy. Um, so we've got to start all over again, you know, uh, so that we don't have to worry about these kids. You know, I, I consider Jeopardy an essential part of our um, of our program and I'll, I'll never get rid of it.
4: It's imperative that all of us have as much understanding as humanly possible during these times. Um, we are certainly in the midst of un- unprecedented times. We really can't have enough good, factual, empirical information. Um, There's so much information out there that is so far off base. You know, Sergeant Atkins talked about social media and that's probably one of the biggest perpetrators being able to sit in a room and have a genuine conversation a genuine dialogue with someone from the industry, someone who's been there and done that, um, and hopefully, preferably makes it their business to stay up to date with the, you know, the latest information and trends. Um, I, I can't speak for anyone else, but you know, you'll know, you have a conversation with someone and they'll start regurgitating something they read online or they'll, if you're talking to them online, they'll shoot you a meme as a, as a means of dialogue. I don't want to I don't want to have a meme. I don't I don't want you to read from a script. I want to sit down and have a legit conversation with you. In fact, just this morning, uh, a friend of mine who's also involved with Big Brother Big Sisters, her little sister um apparently has been kind of just down going down that road and as an officer and a black man, she wants me to see if I'm willing to sit down with her little sis and just have a conversation instead of firing off uh, memes and and using stats that have been perverted, but just to genuinely sit down and have a one-on-one conversation with an actual person, an actual human, and that's that human aspect, that human element. I think is what's missing today. Uh, we need to have more face-to-face conversations, and this is not JJJ is an amazing opportunity for adults and juveniles to sit down and have conversations with law enforcement officers.
1: Thank you. Um- Laura, do you have any thoughts about um, whether or not this game is more important to play now in view of the discussion about social justice and policing?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think it's definitely more, um, even more imperative that um, this game and um, other ways of spreading this content is spread to more kids. And I think that because of the very, um, polarized um, atmosphere that is going on and because of all of the the like rapid spread of kind of misinformation and the rapid spread of um, just really polarized ideas and views especially um, as it relates to um, what should be done around um, policing in the united states i think it's even more important that kids are getting um, the access to this content and getting um, being able to sit down and have conversations with um, with officers, with other law enforcement agents in their community and really understand um, what sorts of things are going on and why and be able to, especially because it's really easy right now to kind of get swept up in all of the content that's being put out and it's really hard as well to kind of absorb all this content and to read all of it and to and to not... Feel a certain way about it, and I think that that's healthy and that's natural. But um, there needs to be some sort of balance so that so that kids that are growing up now aren't aren't coming into the world feeling overwhelmed, outraged, and upset about what things are going on and that they have kind of this game and being able to have these sorts of conversations with officers is putting the agency back to the kids and saying, no, like the, like there are things that are messed up about the world that you grow up in, but you have the agency to change and you are um, your own person. And like, there's no sort of, like, you're not limited to the sorts of things that you're seeing happening to others around you um, online or in your community. So I think it's even more important. And agency is a key thing we're trying to build in young people to
1: make them think that they have some control over these interactions and build their confidence to think so. Um, Sergeant Atkins, could you bring us home with your thoughts about um, whether it's more important than ever to play this?
3: Yes, I mean, this is definitely important. Um, one of the things that we see across our country, we see a lack of trust in the police. Um, there was a study by 21st century policing they did called um, building, uh, one of the tenants was building trust and legitimacy. And we're we in a we day and age where um, one of the push for police departments across the country is procedural justice, that people feel better about the police when they feel that the police are being procedurally just. And um, this game is an opportunity to build a foundation and to plant some seeds about that building that trust and legitimacy by dealing with the young people. These young people are eventually going to be adults one day. So we can build a foundation and build that trust and show legitimacy now, then we will see a harvest in the future. Um, We just started a program. We're working on a program called IMPD Cares. And what that care stands for, children accepting responsibility for the, for their education and success. And this game is, is is education about a very important part of every person's life, especially as an adult, young adult coming into adulthood, or you know, making good choices, staying out of the legal system, and understanding how to help others stay out of it. Even your even the adults.
1: Thank you, Larry. I I really appreciate all these comments. I want to give everybody an opportunity to say one. Uh, ending note
5: you know you came at a very tough time for us like I said with Michael Brown and I I remember walking into the center you know the day after you know it aired and the kids were just angry you know they were you know I I hesitate to use unruly because they, they really aren't that at the center but they were clearly agitated and I knew we had to do something because they they were like they were ready to go out and shoot a cop and so we had to sit them down, you know, and have a conversation with them. And so at that time, I felt helpless. You know, I didn't know what to do. And I, I, I only knew that I wanted to prevent them from going out there and, and getting killed. Some people might say it, it's, it's a game, and it is, it is a game, but it's so much more than that for us and for our program and in the community where we are, you know, which is heavily policed.
3: I also echo uh, what Naomi said. I remember when I first met you, uh, Lisa, you kind of uh, were dealing with the root of a cause in our culture, how at East District at the time, a lot of officers were not willing to recognize and really understand some of the issues, especially dealing with the um, the racial issues that we now see come forefront now more than ever.
1: Well, with that, um, I thank you all. This was a very generous um sharing of your time and certainly has made my day
0: thank you lisa laura larry sanford and naomi we do appreciate the comments that you made and also your time and effort that it took to participate in this conversation i hope you found today's episode engaging and useful if you have ideas for future episodes that you would like to see us present please let us know You can always reach us through our webpage, strategiesforyouth.org, or by sending an email to info at strategiesforyouth.org. If you're interested in more information about the Juvenile Justice Jeopardy game, again, you can find that information at www.strategiesforyouth.org. Thank you.